Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. What you will eat and what you will drink, nor about your body or what you will put on. Is not life more than food? And the body more than clothing? I mean, look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, yet I tell you, even Solomon, in all his glory, was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. We talked about anxiety, all right, in Matthew chapter 6, um, starting in verse 25, okay? And we talked about um, kind of this self-induced anxiety, right? This anxiety that comes from when we put our hope, when we put our trust, all right, in something that can't deliver, all right? And, um, and so when it doesn't deliver, all right, when the, when, when the promise isn't true, when what you were seeking and what you were uh, searching for um, does not deliver to you your expectation, then it breeds this anxiety. And that's why Jesus says, hey, lay it for yourselves treasures in heaven. All right, that's why he says, hey, seek first the kingdom of God, all right, and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. For when we have idols in our lives, those idols open up the door for anxiety, all right, to move in uh, to our lives. Um, and so we're going uh, um, uh, to pick up all right, this week on, on anxiety part two, all right, anxiety part two, um, and I know that we're not all gathered together, but we can still participate in the gateway tradition of making a lot of noise, all right, for people that are going to come up um, and, and speak and share part of their testimony and their life, and so I'm going to ask that everybody watching, all right, uh, whether you've ever participated in the gateway tradition before of throwing stuff and uh, making lots of noise and yelling and screaming and clapping your hands, I'm going to ask that, uh, that, that you join us, all right, join the gateway family um, and welcoming uh, Carrie Bond up with me this morning. Welcome, Carrie. Good morning. Good morning. Good to have you. Yeah. Was that nerve-wracking? <laughs> Actually, it made it more fun. It was more fun. Okay. <laughs> Is the light blinding, or are no. you good? Don't look at it. <laughs> look okay. At it then when you look away, you'll then find, you know, you'll see stars out there. So don't, don't look directly side, into the side. light. We're don't bad. look at the light. <laughs> all right. Um, so tell us, all right, tell everybody watching, um, tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do for a living. Uh, well, I am a therapist at Comprehensive Mental Health. Um, 
I'm the lead therapist there. Prior to that, in St. Louis, I was a Christian counselor private practice for about seven years. Then I moved here to Kansas City, and God threw me boop, <laughs> right into community psych mm -hmm. and secular therapy. So that was kind of a little change, but it yeah. was awesome. So Yeah. So what does a, a day in the life look like? Um, you know, for you at your at your workplace, what's um, that consist of? Well, right now I see I have a caseload, a half a case. Or I see clients half the day, and then I do administrative supervision stuff the other half of the day. Okay. So, all right. So, so talk to me about. Um, you know, we, we, we talked about two weeks ago how, you know, anxiety is a reality today. You know, we know it's a reality because Jesus speaks to it. Um, uh, but we also know we have many, uh, you know, family and friends, you know, that struggle with anxiety. So talk to me about what uh, the reality of anxiety from where you sit um, in your work. I would say that right now that is probably either the number one diagnosis or accompanies almost every other diagnosis that comes in that I see. When people are coming through intake, um, that's one of the main things that's bringing them in is anxiety, depression, those kinds of things. But almost every single time, whether it's PTSD, whatever it is, there's an anxiety component that's okay. a piece of that. And so age groups, I mean, wh wh what's this, the scale here of age I'm groups that you see? I'm seeing it from five-year-olds all the way up to 70-plus. Okay. I mean, it's kind of across the board right now. Okay. What, um, what, what would you say? I know, you know there's lots of different things you know, that can create anxiety. Um, what, what would you say is um, the s some of the sources um, for anxiety w with the people that come in that you, that you meet with and counsel? A lot of it is trauma. There's a lot of trauma. There's a lot of instability in the family that can cause anxiety. It can be, um, oh gosh, it can be anything. It can be internal or external. There's not, I don't think there's one consistent or even one or two consistent things, but I do think that it's usually, I don't even want to, I don't think I even want to, I don't know. I don't know. I don't think I have a good answer for that one. That's okay. Yeah. That's all right. <laughs> like There's lots of lots there, of there different are all sources. Kinds of things that oh. can cause it. Um, it. It seems like mostly what walks through the doors that I see that impacts it the most is trauma and instability in families. Okay. Probably. Yeah. So talk to me about. Um, so I've done you know some reading, um, you know DMS five and um, you know some of the symptom management, you know, techniques, whether you're talking, um, you know, lifestyle, you know, changes, you know, thought pattern, you know, changes, you get medication, you know, um, talk, talk to me about, okay, when somebody comes in, you know, and they're struggling with anxiety, um, talk to me about some of the symptom management practices, you know, that you use, uh, to help them. Um, are there some that, um, uh, you find to be, uh, better than others. Um, so just talk to me about some of the symptom management things that, that you do. So normally what I do is a lot of listening. Mm -hmm. <laughs> a lot of listening to find out what's going on, particularly in that person's life. Um, finding out what their tools are. There's all kinds of coping skills that you can do. There's 
stopping things. There, um, I usually have people kind of draw a quadrant so that we're finding out what they can do mentally, emotionally, spiritually, and physically for maintenance in each of those areas to make sure everything's kind of balanced, make sure that they are taking care of themselves in those areas, and then that sometimes can bring those symptoms down. Mm -hmm. So w last time we talked, um, this past week, uh, we talked a little about EMDR. Mm -hmm. um, can you talk to me, for those that aren't familiar with EMDR, what, what that is? And, um EMDR is used to treat um, trauma, past mm -hmm. trauma. It's eye movement. It's using eye movements to help the brain do what God already designed it to do, in my opinion. <laughs> and basically, um, your brain, while you're sleeping during REM sleep, they've figured out that your brain is processing the emotion that it couldn't process during the day. Um, and so it's kind of a natural thing that your brain already does. EMDR uses that in order to target things that where your brain kind of got stuck, mm -hmm. whether that's through trauma, through anxiety, through whatever, and helps your brain access that piece and process it out mm -hmm. so that it's not when you get triggered, it's not going to shoot off your central nervous system. Mm. Okay. Does that make sense? A little bit for my small head, but <laughs> I'm, I'm sure <laughs> it, it makes sense for people smarter <laughs> than right. me. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, so I guess it really for me, the here's, here's the biggest question. Um, you know, Jesus says when it comes to anxiety, he says, hey, the Father knows everything that you need. You know, um, he says, hey, lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Hey, put your hope here, you know. And then he says, hey, seek first the kingdom of God, you know, and his righteousness, you know, and all these things will be added to you. And so when we talk about anxiety, um, where does, you know, or how does the gospel, right, and uh, what you do for a living, how, how do those things collide? So when you're doing EMDR, how do those things collide? Because you have, you know, uh, you know in, in Christianity, you have uh, these two circles or these two stances where it's like, oh, if you've got anxiety, well, you need to have, you need to have more faith, you know? Um, and then over here, you've got, well, hey, no, this is, there's, there, there's a real uh, nervous system, um, you know, scientific things that, that, that need to be, um, you know, addressed. And so it's like this battle of one or the other, you know, and does it have to be one or the other? How do, how do the practices that you do, how does the gospel and what you've been trying to do, how do those things collide? So I don't think that those two things are separate at all. Um, when I was kind of praying over this this morning, uh, the scripture that kept coming out was today has enough worries of it. You know, each day will have, uh, I'm misquoting, what's the scripture? Each day has its own <laughs> worries of its own. Yeah, and I probably misquote it too, so it's all good. But that was the one that, you know, I think with everything going on right now, we need to be able to trust that none of this is a surprise to God. You know, um, Kevin and I say that to each other all the time. All right, well, the transmission went out. Well, that wasn't a surprise to God. <laughs> he mm -hmm. knew exactly what was going to happen next. And he already knows the provision for it. So I think one of the things that can exasperate anxiety is when we try and look at things outside of God's perspective. When we try and figure out exactly what's going to come next and how we're going to handle it, we got plan A, plan B, plan C, they may not line up with what God's got. And none of it's a surprise for him. But when we start getting real wrapped up in 
what we think is the answer, then when it doesn't work out that way, our anxiety goes up. Mm. It feel, things feel outside of our control. And the reality is God's in control anyway. And so if you can, one of the tools I give people is to just do the next right thing, you know, and base that scripturally. What mm -hmm. is the next right thing that God would have you do in this situation? And there are times in life when that's really the only thing you can do is that next right thing, because if you look at the big picture, it's too overwhelming. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and, and as I've read, you know, some of the other symptom management stuff, you know, you know, lifestyle, mm -hmm. you know, changes, healthy lifestyle changes. Mm -hmm. We know that this is a biblical principle, right? right? Uh, exercises of some value, you know, mm -hmm. Paul says, you know, uh, you know, it says uh, changing thought patterns. Mm -hmm. I know that's one of the things that you, you, yep. you do with people that, that come in is help them, you know, identify what's the source, what's this coming from, where's, wh where's my thinking go? You know, and Paul says in Romans 12, you know, that we're renewed by the transformation of our minds, you know? Well, I was looking back over my notes from your sermon two weeks ago, and I was like thinking, okay, so what are some of those idols in my life that I was, so just as some examples, I was going back over that, and I was thinking, well, I think one of them is security. Mm -hmm. And when that security doesn't get met, met, anxiety goes up. When I focus back on God for that, anxiety goes back down. So, um, I, the other one that I, no, I noted down during your sermon was numbness. I think that people get afraid to feel extreme emotions, whether that's fear, anger, joy. Um, and we start just, there's a normal range of emotions that God gave us. And I think that sometimes we get afraid to go outside of that. Or we don't trust that, wow, I can feel awful and it's still okay. Mm -hmm. And so we'll numb out. And the more you numb out the less tolerance you have and less endurance you have for anxiety. Mm. Does that make sense yeah. when I say that? Yeah. So w when I was preparing for this this morning, I was going back over sermon notes. <laughs> yeah, no, it's good. I mean, that's where we sit right now as a, you know, as a country, right? We're, we're, we're sitting, you know, in lockdown, you know, you know, asked to stay in our homes. We've got a lot of time, so to speak, with our thoughts, mm -hmm. you know, and, and so what you're talking about, the endurance piece, if we won't take the time to feel, Right. right and to and to and to sift through and to navigate our thoughts and let those thoughts come you know not shove them out not numb you know those mm -hmm. thoughts and feelings with you know tv and netflix or ipad or whatever it is when we numb ourselves and shove those things out we're actually decreasing our endurance right to handle our thoughts to handle our emotions is, i mean is that what you're yeah, saying yeah no that's exactly what i what i'm saying that's exactly what i'm saying and we all kind of want to feel those good emotions. We want to feel those happy, good emotions. And when it starts to go down, there, there's this little bit of fear in us that, uh-oh, I'm not going to be able to pull the nose back up. The reality is you will. You'll be able to pull that nose back up, probably. And it may take connection. It may take family. It may take friends. It may take the word. It may take praying. It, you know, depending on what it's going to take for each individual person. But we need to be able to trust that, having a negative emotion isn't going to take us out. Well, and we've got to trust that when we have a negative emotion that uh, we've, got to, we've got to sit long enough, right, not numb it out, not push it away. We've got to sit long enough in that negative emotion or in that anxious place to hear God say, 
right? To hear God say something to us, to hear um, Him comfort us, you know. Um, so, but when we're constantly numbing, pushing it out, you know, we never get to that place of letting God speak to it. I mean, y- well, you know what exactly, I mean? Exactly, exactly. And if you can let it point you back to Him, mm-hmm. if when you're hurting, when you're scared, if you can let that points you back to him, then he can give you comfort in that, you know, or peace or any of those fruits of the spirit, which are the things that we're looking for. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of when you numb those out, you're also taking away an opportunity for growth and that connection with the Holy Spirit. Okay, so back to the question of how do the gospel right uh-huh. and, and 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 what you practice how these things collide okay so somebody comes in and you're doing emdr mm-hmm. right and you can't necessarily I, i'm assuming that there's uh laws and guidance mm-hmm. things where you can't you know talk about the gospel you know w- with this person and so when you're doing emdr right where does the gospel come into play for you you may not be able to talk to this person out loud about the gospel but h- how yeah. do you include that emdr in in and of itself itself has its own protocols. It has its own protocols, and there's not a lot of dialogue, to be honest with you. Mm -hmm. It's kind of letting the brain do what the brain does. Now, they're doing eye movements, or they're doing buzzies back and forth while their brain is processing, and I tend to sit there and be praying during that. (laughs) So that's how you bring the gospel (laughs) into it. So for me, it's all internal. I'm like Mm -hmm. popcorn praying up, you know, while that's going Mm -hmm. on. Um, I do that a lot anyway, though, throughout work, but, Mm -hmm. you know, it... So, but there's just not a lot of conflict internally for me going on, even working in a more secular setting, because it all lines up. Healthy lines up. Mm-hmm. Healthy lines up. Healthy so. lines up with scripture. Yes. Yeah. Thank you. Abs- absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. So one of the questions that, that I also want to ask you that really um, grabbed my attention, you know, last week when we sat down, we were talking, uh, you said you're seeing a lot of kids, you know, coming in. Um, and you talked about this generational anxiety, right? This anxiety that's being passed down to the kids. And one of the things that you talked about, you know, is that if it's being passed down because at times you're seeing parents portray their anxiety down to their kids in the way that they're talking, you know, whether they're talking about themselves or whether they're talking about, you know, what they think their, you know, child has, you know, and so can, can, can you talk about that? And then I guess my question is, you know, what advice would you give to parents you know, and raising their kids, and what advice you'd give to parents and who, you know, who have kids that are struggling with anxiety? I think that, um, I think it's okay to have our kids see a struggle, but I also think they need to see the resolve, the healthy resolve on it. Mm-hmm. So, um, I think we need to be focusing on passing down those stories of resilience, those stories of times where God came in and you know, answered those prayers, whether it was the way we wanted it answered or not. You know, how, how did God grow me through this? How, what happened through these hard things that show you came out on the other side of it? And what was God doing in the midst of it? And I think that that builds that resilience, that builds that dependence on God versus that dependence on us to control every situation. Because it's those expectations we have not being met and those that need to say, I I can fix this, I can fix this, I can fix this, in situations where you can't fix it. We're not meant to fix it. God was going to fix it. Mm. Um, And I think letting your kids go through that with you in a healthy way 
not giving them more than they can handle. It has to be age appropriate. It needs to be, it needs to be um, age appropriate. You know, you don't want to give a kid an adult problem. (laughs) And so you want to be able to talk to them at the age level they're at. But you want to be able to have those conversations go, wow, look what God did. And these are this is this is biblical principle again. Yeah, you know, absolutely. Ra- I told you ra- you'd have to wrap yeah. it up in a bow. And yeah. <laughs> no, this is, <laughs> you know, back. bring raise your kids up in the way of the Lord. Right. You, you know, and, and that means sharing your testimony of, you know, with your kids of, you know, how God has spoken to you, you know, how God has uh, answered prayers in the midst of anxious times. and Praying with them, mm-hmm. praying with them, finding out what it is that they're concerned about, like with the with the COVID-19 stuff and all of that, what are they worried about? And pray with them on it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when something's going on in the family, pray as a family together and then pay attention to what God's doing mm-hmm. because that just passes on that legacy of dependence on him and on resiliency. Mm-hmm. You know, it gives you those, those long-term resiliency, mm-hmm. which for the rest of your life is beneficial. Yeah. So... Um, Last question, mm-hmm. all right, I'm going to ask you, um, unless you want to ask me questions <laughs> and put me on the spot. Um, so somebody right now watching, all right, listening, mm-hmm. um, is uh, anxious uh, because they um, just lost their job. Mm-hmm. Um, they uh, can't afford child care, mm-hmm. um, or they're trying to figure out how are we going to get groceries, you know, how long is this going to last? And so the anxiety is just rising up. Right. Right. And, and it feels overwhelming. Mm-hmm. Um, what, w- what piece of encouragement uh, do you have for them? What would you want to say you know, to them? Um, several things come to mind. One is that's okay to feel that way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that is okay to feel that way. Talk about it with people you trust. Um, connection right now is going to be super important. Um, connection with friends, with family, even though that can't necessarily be gathering together mm-hmm. or physical connection. We have every electronic under the sun right now. Go ahead and make that connection. If you have a need, make it known. If you have something, share it with somebody because that connection and that purpose that in and of itself is going to bring anxiety down. And then you're in it together instead of feeling alone and scared. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, I just forgot the second piece of your question. Well, just what would you say to him? How would you oh. encourage him? Just be talking about it. Be talking about it. Be praying about it. Spend time in the Word. Take care of all four of those quadrants that I talked about, the mental, emotional, spiritual, physical. And if you can do even just one thing in each of those areas every day, that's going to help bring everything else down just Mm -hmm. a little bit. That's good. Well, Carrie, let me say thank you. Yeah. All right, for... um, what you do, um, not only in our community, um, but in our church. And I appreciate you joining me. I know it's just kind of scary with all these cameras. I, I don't, I'm not a big camera guy either. <laughs> so I, I, I thank you uh, for joining us this morning for your wisdom and um, for encouraging uh, people this morning in this time. So Gateway, give it up, all right, for Carrie Bond. <laughs> thank you. Thank you, Carrie. Okay. I want to leave you um, with this as we uh, wrap up. 
um, talking about anxiety. I think the fact that we're talking about anxiety in this time is just God's, um, uh, uh, his sovereignty, right? His providential care um, in the midst of the season that we're in. And we're talking about anxiety and um, you can't make that stuff up. And so I want to leave you with this promise. Okay, and this promise comes out of Matthew 6, 25 through 34, the passage that we've been in. Um, here, here are some promises that Jesus makes to you right now. Okay, this is real. These are not theories up in the sky. You can bring these promises down and apply them to real life right now um, because Jesus is real, all right, and, and his promises are real. They're true. Um, and, and so these are some of the things that Jesus says, okay? Um, he, he, he says here in verse 26, Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? You are of more value than the birds, and the birds don't store up and they don't gather, and yet day by day the birds are taken care of because God's providential. And if he's providential for the birds, he's providential for you. All right, he will intentionally intervene um, in your needs because he knows what your needs are. Okay? Um, he says this all right, in verse 27, And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? All right? And in Psalm 39, again, says that he formed all of our days. You can't add a day. You can't add an hour. You can't add a minute uh, to your life. All right? And so Jesus says, What good... All right, does it do? He says, I have formed your days already, and what I started in you I will complete. I will not cut it off short, and you can bank on that promise that what Jesus started in you, he will finish. And he says in verse 28, And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. All right, he says, consider the flowers in the fields. Consider their beauty, and they don't work for their beauty. They neither spin nor toil, and yet there they are, beautiful. All right, are you not of much more value? All right, will the Father not take care of you more than he takes care of the flowers of the field? If they are beautiful and clothed, will you not be clothed and cared for all right, by the Father? All right, the last thing I want to leave you um, the last promise out of this passage um, in verse 33, 33 says, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. All right? The Father knows your needs, and he says, Hey, hey, listen, seek first me. Seek first my righteousness. As Carrie said uh, uh, you know, a little bit ago, do the next right thing. Or, hey, seek righteousness in the next five minutes. Seek righteousness in the next five minutes. You seek my kingdom first and what is righteous, everything will be added to you. Okay, everything. That's the promise he makes. All right, and our promise for eternity, all right, is a surefire thing. All right, you can bank on it. That he will give to us all that we need in eternity. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Trust him. Lean on him. Depend upon him. Okay, I'm going to pray, um, and we're going to uh, continue uh, to sing. All right, this next song, there's a verse um, in this next song. It says, I don't understand your ways. All right, nobody understands what next week is going to hold, what next month is going to hold, what the next six months are going to reveal to us in the midst of this time. You know, and so we can say, I don't understand 
you know, but what we can understand is we can understand the faithful nature of God in the midst of this time. We can understand that. He's given us his word. He's revealed himself to us through Jesus, and we can understand his nature and his faithfulness, okay? And so we lean on that, all right? Let's pray. God, I'm thank- thankful for this church, and I'm thankful for uh the people that um, are tuning in, and I pray for them. God, I have uh, faces in my mind right now that I see. Pat Whitworth and Kathy Rue. All right. And God, I'm praying for people right now. Praying for people right now. That your word would encourage them. That That you would remind them that they can stand upon your truth. That your truth is a rock that's immovable. You can't be shaken. And so, God, I pray that you would encourage their souls, that you would encourage all of our souls this morning. That as we move through our day, we would do just as your son said in Matthew 6, that we would, in the next five minutes, seek to do the righteous thing. Seek to do the righteous thing. And all else will be added to us. And so, God, we worship you now. Amen. I want to leave you with this, all right, this morning. One, uh, the first thing is this, is that the gospel has the power to sustain you. All right. Uh, the grace um, of Jesus Christ, the life that he gave up uh, for all of us, has the power to sustain us till the end. That's what First Corinthians 15 says. All right, the gospel is sustain us through this season. The promises of Christ, all right, are good for carrying us forward. All right. The second thing is this: as the church, all right, we talked about last week that we have a responsibility and a privilege as the church to respond. All right, and we looked at Acts chapter two, and so I just want to close with this and and call us to this as the church. All right, we've been called to something as the church body. We've been called by God, and it's our privilege, all right, to go and do this, all right? Acts chapter 2, starting verse 44, And all who believed were together and had all things in common. We may not be together physically, all right, but we can be together spiritually as the church as we worship, all right, together, as we read Scripture together. Verse 45, and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as, as, any, as any had need. As any had need. They sold what they had. They sold their possessions. They sold their belongings when they saw somebody next to them have a need. There are people in your neighborhood and there are people in this church who are right now in need. Right, there are people losing their jobs. Right, there are people uh, who don't know what to do with their kids at home because daycare right, is not available because they can't afford daycare anymore. There are people around you in real need right now. And Acts chapter 2 said the church responded by selling what they had to take care of those needs. God, that, 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 is our, that is our privilege and our response as God's people, as the church. And so I'm calling us all to that. That as we uh, find out and are aware of needs, that we would take the sacrifice, all right, the pure, undefiled, religious sacrifice of taking something that we have, 
something that we own, something that belongs to us, all right, and selling it or giving it to somebody else that is in need because they are in desperate times right now. I'm calling all of us to take the posture of the early church of Acts 2, all right? The gospel has the power to sustain us, and we have the privilege to have all things in common with all people. So let's love our community well, and let's love one another well, okay? Stay tuned, all right, this week as we bring more updates, as we send out our family devotions, all right, and look forward to gathering, all right, online for live stream next Sunday. All right, go in peace, all right? We love y'all. We miss y'all. All right, we'll talk to you soon. See you.